If you have a financial question for Peggy Bruce, you can call this number 24-7, 1-888-6ADVICE. You can also email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But in the meantime, you can call during the show right now, text our studio line, or call 651-461-9226. Once again, here's Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Good morning. Good morning, Denny. Good morning, Bruce. Well, Peg Webb, it is good to have you back and be back with you. And uh, the legendary Denny Long, it is always good to be with you, my friend. Uh, So I'm glad to be with both of you. Uh, Peg, uh, the last couple of weeks when when you were taking some well-deserved time off, uh, two weeks ago I talked at length about the Your Money Matrix And then last week, we talked about the Wealth Enhancement Smart Money Strategy, and those two shows kind of built on each other. And today's show that we are calling Unpacking Retirement Accounts, kind of the next step in the progression, and we're talking about, listeners and Denny and and everyone that can hear my voice, we're talking about planning for retirement, retirement income. I like to say you don't want to run out of money before you run out of breath. But how do you do that? How do you accomplish that? How you know it doesn't just happen, uh, Peg. I think a lot of people that don't plan think that well, I'll get Social Security and you know whatever money I have, and I'll be fine. But they don't really form a plan. So maybe the logical starting point here, when we talk about unpacking the various types of retirement accounts, maybe it makes sense to review again just why it's logical to have a plan. Bruce, that's actually a great place to start because you and I have been doing workshops for 25 plus years. And what we've been trying to convince people is just to kind of wake up to the point that if you don't save enough money and you only rely on Social Security and maybe a pension or something, things cost more. So you've got some risk factors like inflation. We didn't really concern ourselves with inflation until a couple of years ago. And all of a sudden now we're saying, wow, this can really happen. So inflation is a risk factor and it's a key one. And longevity, you and I have been doing this job for so long. And it's interesting, I can attest to the fact that people are living longer. They're healthier, you know, they're doing what they want to do. Um, I have... 80-year-olds, you know, going on a South Africa safari. And that's not something that two decades ago people would have said, oh, I think I'm going to go on a safari, you know. So you have to prepare for that um, and that longevity. Then we also have constant changing of public policy, meaning this is another big year, right? It's an election year. But we also have tax rates that are continuing to change. So we can't just say, hey, I know what my taxes are going to be short term, long term, because it's forever changing. And then one thing I'm sure, Bruce, that you emphasized on the last couple shows is, you know, what withdrawal rate percentage wise is a safe withdrawal rate on all that money that you've saved? You've worked so hard to save it. But then it, it's kind of hard to dis, to uh, distinguish what percentage the right, right percentage is. It three percent? Is it four um, percent? 
And so today we're going to talk a little bit more about getting into the weeds about how do you set up yourself earlier than later, um, you know, with your buckets of money to, to feel confident that even though you have these dangers ahead, you feel confident because you created a plan. Bruce? Yeah, Peg, I, I like where you started. Um, and, and again, I like the, the fact that we're talking about planning. And you mentioned a couple of other you know, risk factors that people um, should be aware of if they're not. And honestly, I think a lot of people either aren't aware of some of those things, or if they are, they don't give them the attention that they probably deserve. You know, you mentioned longevity. And despite, you know, the COVID and the pandemic, um, we are living longer today than our grandparents did. That's just, you know, statistically accurate. Like you mentioned, 80-year-olds taking a trip to Africa two generations ago, or even a generation ago. I don't think you saw that kind of thing. So, I always tell people it's good news and it's bad news. It's good news that you're going to be here longer to pursue your passions, to spend time with loved ones, grandkids, great-grandkids. But it also means that your money has to last longer than it used to. It was not uncommon. In fact, it was very typical. Two generations ago, somebody would work until age 65, and they would be dead by, you know, 75. And so their money only had the last 10 years. But today, Peg, you and I both have clients retiring in their 50s who might still be here in their 90s, and their money has to last 40 years. So you're right. Between that and the increasing cost of living or inflation and changing tax laws and uh, world events, you know, whether it's a war in Ukraine, the war in Gaza, all these things impact us economically, and it's not something that people should you know, fear and, and lie awake a bit in bed at night not being able to sleep because these are things that we can deal with, but we need to plan for them. We can't just put our head in the sand and ignore these things. So um, I, I'm glad you started down that road. I'm glad you brought that up. And then you also brought up, Peg, the withdrawal rate. And I talked a little bit last week about sort of the standard or the rule of thumb and I'm doing air quotes around rule of thumb. The rule of thumb is 4%, and, I, and I'm not going to redo last week's show, but I talked a lot really about how I don't like rules of thumb. Uh, the rule of thumb probably doesn't make sense for the vast majority of individuals out there, and you need we're all different. We're all snowflakes. Um, no two people are exactly alike, and what we need or what we want at retirement and what our retirement goals and what our vision of a happy retirement is, it's different for everybody. So we really have to individualize that. Peg? Yeah, not everybody is um, secured their health for a long time. So uh, I still use this um, term, Bruce, where I go, okay, when you retire, you've got the go-go years. I mean, I find that when people retire – They have a long list of to-dos that they want to do, and I encourage them. So maybe that 4% isn't going to cover, you know, in the early years, but we create a plan to to make people feel like now they're free to do the things they've always wanted to do. The last thing you want to do is to have them sit in the rocking chair and just say, oh, I don't have any money. You know, I got to keep this money till I'm 90. I don't think that's a good idea either. But so today what we want to do is um, we have to figure out, like, how do we create 
income for the rest of people's lives. And I would say, Bruce, that this is probably the value add that we can give people uh, and give them the confidence. And I say to spend, like don't take more risk than you have to, but yet the confidence to spend, because there's the flip side. I said the go-go years and people want to, you know, travel and that kind of thing. But there's also people that are so afraid to spend their money because they fear that they're going to live so long. Um, We give them the confidence. So the basic building blocks, uh, and Bruce, it sounds like you talked about the money matrix a couple weeks ago, but I want to go over those buckets in a little bit more detail of how would you set yourself up or the people listening today. I encourage you to look at all your buckets of money and put in a classification of how they're going to be taxed. So let's start with the easy one, tax deferred, because we all love tax deferred, meaning we don't have to pay immediate tax on our earnings, but every dollar that you put in, you're actually compounding a dollar that hasn't been taxed. Now, that may appear to be a good thing because you earn money on the money that you would otherwise pay Uncle Sam every year, and your bucket's going to be bigger because if you don't have to pull out money paying immediate tax, that money that gets to stay in that bucket earns more money and compounds over time. Um, Most people will use their company-sponsored plan, the 401k, to invest because I call this hiding money from yourself because the employer will pull that money out Put it in your 401k and it never hits your paycheck and it never hits your bank account. So I would say most people try to take advantage of that and they should. The IRS has kindly given us um, higher dollar amounts that we can put in. They actually witness that many, many people have not saved out there. So they're trying to help us by putting, allowing us to put more money into a Um, a 401k or a 403b or a 457, something like that. And then they're really concerned about the people that are 50 and older because they feel like they haven't saved enough. So they also give us a catch up, you know, to put more money in if you're 50 and older. The other thing I like about the company plans is the companies are matching some of the money that we're putting in. So that's technically free money. So who wouldn't take advantage of that? Um, Hopefully your investments grow over time. I would say maybe one of the biggest negatives of a 401k is uh, people feel like they have to manage it themselves because it's at their employer and maybe the, maybe managing money or reading about the stock market or reading about bonds is not your thing. I feel bad for people that don't have any help and I would encourage people who are listening or know somebody who isn't an expert at it that they reach out and get help. No different than if you're, um, you know, your window breaks, are you going to put the window in yourself or you're going to hire somebody? So I, I, I highly encourage people to get help if they, don't, um, if they don't feel like they're confident. I mean, this is your retirement. So if you ever sat down and said, okay, where would I hire someone? What would get me the biggest bang for my buck? you know, is maybe getting some advice around your uh, contributions and your future at an earlier age than later age. And then lastly, Bruce, um, you know, these plans that are tax deferred, 
they come with some rules and regulations. So if you put money into these accounts, um, most times than not, you have to be 59 and a half to pull them back out, you know, or you're going to have a 10% penalty. I kind of like that feature in that people will leave it alone and let it compound over time versus maybe thinking, oh, I need a new car. I think I'm going to pull my money out of my 401k to go and buy that car. Bruce? Peg, there's a bunch of good things here that you talked about, and I want to add just a little bit. So these company-sponsored retirement plans, these tax-deferred plans, um, we used to, you and I have both been doing this long enough, that we used to talk to clients about their retirement income being like a three-legged stool. You've got your Social Security, you've got your pension, then you've got your own savings and investments as places to draw income from. But today, our own savings and investments make up a much bigger uh, portion of our retirement income because for most people, the old pension or what we, what we call a defined benefit plan They've been replaced by these 401ks, 403bs, or what we call a defined contribution plan. So we know how much we can put into the plan, but we don't know how much it's going to give us that retirement as compared to the old pensions where we knew what our retirement income was going to be. And again, this is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something we need to be aware of and plan accordingly. And like you said, participating in the plan, one of the biggest incentives or motivations is that most of these plans, the employer has a matching contribution. So part of unwrapping these retirement accounts and knowing how to prioritize them um, is, you know, if, if you have a limited amount of money, I, we talk all the time, Peg, about you and I have all these great ideas for people, but they don't have infinite money to do everything that we talk about. So how do you prioritize? And I think for most people, the, one of the priorities, if you can contribute to an account and you can get a matching contribution from your employer, that's obviously something to participate in. Otherwise, you're leaving money on the table. Um, and then I think we're still going to get into this a little bit more before we're done. But traditionally, these company-sponsored retirement plans, as Peg said, have been tax-deferred. And you get a, a, a deduction for your contribution, a year in which you make the contribution, so it lowers your taxes in that year, but then you're going to pay the taxes when you take the withdrawals. We're going to segue next, I think, Peg, into tax-advantaged accounts, yes? Yes. So tax-advantaged, before we do, um, if people have some extra money, uh, you can open your own individual retirement account, an IRA, and you could uh, build another tax-deferred account um, in, in 2024, they're allowing $7,000 to be put in uh, subject to, uh, you know, your, your earned income or your taxable income. So not everyone can participate in those. So let's jump to tax advantage accounts. These accounts are, and we talk a lot about them on here because I absolutely love them, is Roth IRAs or Roth 401ks. Now, Roth IRAs, this is where you could take that 7000 that I talked about, the IRA, and instead of putting it in an IRA that's deductible, you could choose to take after-tax money and put it in a Roth. And the reason you would do that is because the earnings then grow tax-free versus down the road, you're going to have all this tax to pay on a deductible one. So um, 
And then hopefully, once again, your investments grow over time. And this is this is a great idea for younger people, too. So um, I encourage people that if you're not in a high tax bracket, especially these uh, younger people that are just starting out and and putting money in a, a company plan, why not put it in a tax-free plan instead of a, a taxable, you know, or having it a deduction at this time? One of the advantages, too, is, and it wasn't until recently, Bruce, that we got to add a Roth 401k to our um, choices within our work plans. So now we can actually say, hey, I would like um, my money to go to a Roth. Yes, I'm going to pay full tax on it now, but once again, it's going to build tax-free. So when we meet with clients, it might be a combination of the two, you know, looking at your taxes, um, you know, what actually is in your best interest, but it takes some convincing, Bruce. When I suggest people do a Roth and pay the tax now, they're like, why would I do that? No one wants to pay more tax today than they just do not want to. Like, oh, I'll defer that till the future. Um, because we've been in this so long, Bruce, to have some in your taxable account and have some in your tax advantage account, what a privilege or a luxury for these people who retire that then can pull money from each type of tax bucket and um, not feel like they're, you know, in a higher tax bracket after they've retired. Bruce? Yeah, and I just want to add really quickly to the, to the so-called tax advantage or the Roth, and Peg mentioned this briefly, but just to be sure, to get the tax-free treatment, it has to stay in these accounts for at least five years or until the age of 59 and a half, whichever takes longer. So if you put money into one of these accounts when you're 50, and at 55, you think, well, I can take a tax-free withdrawal. No, you're not 59 and a half yet. You met the five years, but you have to get the 59 and a half. Or if you put money in this account when you're 58 and a year and a half later, you say, great, I can take a tax-free withdrawal. No, it has to be in there for at least five years. So five years or 59 and a half, whichever is longer, is the general rule. And then the other thing, Peg, I want to mention really quickly, whether you do a tax deferred account or a tax advantaged account at your work. You mentioned this earlier. There's a lot of different investment in, uh, choices in these uh, company sponsored plans. And when I look at what people have chosen to invest in when they come and see us, I would tell you that the vast majority are not doing it very well. But again, they have to, they have to self-manage. And how do they know what to pick? Maybe they do eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Maybe they ask a friend. I don't know. But one of the services that we provide is that even though Wealth Enhancement is not proactively managing that money per se, we will look at your investment choices that you have in your plan. And based on your personal circumstances, we will tell you how we think that you should invest. All right, Peg, we've got less than two minutes. and I know we need to take a break, but we still haven't gotten to taxable accounts. Yeah, we haven't gotten to taxable, but I want to go back to the Roth IRA because I think this is important. If you open a Roth IRA and you um, took after-tax money, and right, Bruce, you are so accurate in that there is the rule of five years and you must be 59 and a half. But because you pay tax already on your deposits, you are able to pull out those deposits before 59 and a half 
you know, or five years. So there's a little bit more liquidity on Roth um, than we may think. Taxable accounts, what that means is now you've saved in your 401k, um, both on a taxable account and a tax advantage account, but you still need to build up some liquidity. And we call that taxable account, meaning you'll have money savings in the bank. You might open a brokerage account. You may open an account with Wealth Enhancement Group. It's all after-tax money. And then when you invest that money, there's probably dividends. There's probably capital gains. There's all sorts of different tax treatment. But I love the fact that we have so many choices then. If we have both of those, um, all three of those buckets, and ideally to me, a third, a third, a third would be great. And we can talk maybe a little bit about why I believe that on the backside but um, so taxable accounts are very important as well. Bruce? Denny, I know we're about due for a break. We'll finish up our discussion and get listeners involved in the second half. Very good, Bruce. Yes, and to, again, we'd love to hear from you either by phone or by text. Here's the number for either, 651-461-9226. We'll be back with more of your money. If you happen to have a financial question for Peg or Bruce, you can call this number 247-8886-ADVICE. You can also email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But in the meantime, during the show like right now, you can call or text our studio line. Here's the number for either, 651-461-9226. Again, 651-461-9226. Once again, here's Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, financial advisor, Bruce Helmer. Thank you, Demi Vaughn. Thanks, listeners, for sticking with us. If you joined us late, though, listeners, Peg and I have been talking about unpacking retirement accounts. The last three weeks, uh, t- uh, two weeks ago, we talked at length about the Your Money Matrix. We used that as a stepping stone to last week to talk about retirement income planning, specifically the 4% withdrawal rule, and what we call the Wealth Enhancement Smart Money Strategy. And then this show today is kind of the natural progression. These shows all kind of fit together, and we're talking about unpacking retirement accounts. We've talked about, uh, in the first half, tax-deferred accounts, traditional IRAs, traditional 401Ks, work-sponsored retirement plans. Uh, We talked about tax advantage plans, the idea of a Roth IRA or a Roth 401K, where you don't get a deduction for the contribution, so there's no immediate benefit. Peg talked about the fact that people like immediate benefits. They like to see immediate rewards. And as financial planners, we have to coach our clients to say, sometimes you might be better off paying a little bit more in taxes today to pay a lot less in taxes in the future. We're looking at reducing your taxes over your lifetime. And then we also talked about taxable accounts uh, places where you put money, where you don't get any uh, tax deferral, you don't get any tax advantage, you pay your taxes fully and immediately. And uh, Peg talked a little bit about the idea of, in a perfect world, you have a third, a third, a third in each category. And Peg, I know you wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that idea. But before I throw it back to you, I, I, it hit me last week, and I got a bunch of questions during the week after the show. Um we don't remind people probably as often as we should how they can always learn information, um, learn some things 
uh, catch previous uh, shows. Wealthenhancement.com, all one word, that's our website, wealthenhancement.com. And then people say, well, how do I call you? Well, we've got now, I think, around 100 offices all over the country. So every office obviously has a specific number, but our generic number, if you're not sure where to call and you want to call, is 1-800-492-1222, 1-800-492-1222. But you can get a whole bunch of stuff and figure out how to get a hold of us and ask us questions at wealthenhancement.com. So, Peg, tax deferred, tax advantaged, taxable. Why do we want to have, if we can, a third, a third, a third? Yeah, the reason, Bruce, I wanted to come back to that, a third, a third, a third, is ideal, is really and truly, no one has that. I can tell you, after all these years, when people come in uh, to Wealth Enhancement Group, very few people have a third in taxable, a third of their money in tax deferred, and a third of their money in tax advantage. Now, in all fairness, tax advantage, like Roth IRAs, They weren't around for decades of time. So that was kind of a fairly new concept. Also under tax-advantaged municipal bonds or something like that, or life insurance, you know, uh, cash value. There's some other things in that category. But we've almost been brainwashed, you know, to take advantage of deferral. And, you know, if you don't have to pay your taxes now, why would you? Well, You know, we were brainwashed that if we make money on our money that we would already, you know, otherwise pay Uncle Sam, our pot of money is going to be bigger. And I want to clarify, you are absolutely right that these IRAs that we've deferred are bigger than they would be because if we otherwise would have paid the tax. The problem is, is um, some people come in and they have 80% of their money in tax deferral. Then they want to go buy a car, and a car actually today, I can't even believe it. My clients are calling for $60,000 for a car versus not too long ago, $35,000 for a car. Well, if I have to pay $60,000 for a car, I probably have to take close to $90,000 you know, out of my taxable account if it's in an IRA. So really, your car is going to cost $90,000 because I have to send tax to federal and in a lot of cases state. But with today's coaching and wealth enhancement group, you know, being on this radio for 25 years plus, I'm finding now um, really within the last five years that when people contact us, they get this concept and they're willing to start, you know, having a little bit of pain of uh, creating a diversified tax portfolio before you retire. And once again, the reason you would do that is because then you can control your tax rates ongoing after you retire versus the IRS controlling you with 80% of your money in tax deferral. Now, it's okay if you come to us with 80% tax deferral, because if you do, we're going to continue to look for strategies to to diversify even when you retire. So you can uh, do Roth conversions, as an example. We have worked with many, many, many clients and saying, okay, let's take some of your money that's deferred and let's do these conversions now and soak up some of these lower tax rates because now you're not working and maybe you're in a lower tax bracket. So there's still time after you retire. And 
um, all I'm talking about is, is, you know, a comprehensive plan. Um, and many people, uh, this whole show is about how do you create income for the rest of your life? How do you diversify your assets to create that income off your portfolio? Well, that's part of comprehensive planning. And to me, this is probably the biggest point, the foundation of knowing, you know, where to put your investments from a tax standpoint versus just deferring everything. Bruce? Yeah, Peg, and, and to, to emphasize that point, and I talked about it last week, but it bears repeating. I don't think we can ever talk about this too often. It goes back to why we use the money matrix, but we're looking for tax diversification. Most of our listeners probably understand diversification as it pertains to investments or asset allocation. That makes sense to them. I don't want to put all of my eggs in one basket. I want stocks and I want bonds and I want real estate and I want cash and maybe I want some gold and silver or other precious metals or commodities. They understand that diversification reduces the risk in their investment portfolio, but these same people don't necessarily understand or practice tax diversification. They do have almost all their eggs in the tax deferred basket and we want money in the in the taxable basket and the tax exempt basket and we want them to have flexibility and options on where they take their income from when they retire to maximize their efficiency and if we can reduce their taxes over their lifetime peg and listeners and danny it's one of the most effective ways that we can enhance return on investment if we lower taxes and to make sure that you get that paycheck for as long as you live and to make sure that paycheck is what you want it to be so you can live the lifestyle you want at retirement. So we're really talking about tax diversification. Uh, and again, in my experience, most people uh, haven't done that if they're do-it-yourselfers and we help them learn how to do that and why it's important. Uh, Peg, Denny tells me we have a bunch of texts uh, waiting. Anything else you want to make sure that you convey to listeners before we go take their questions? Oh, I think we take their questions. All right. Very good. All right, Danny, we're ready. Uh, this uh, interesting one here, and uh, the, the, the listener is about to get in the process uh, of interviewing a financial advisor, and their question is, should we accept the first financial advisor or always get a second opinion? That's a great question. Peg, what do you think? Well, I, I mean, I've always encouraged people to interview three different advisors. Uh, I, there's such a unique um, approach, I would say. And, you know, there's, uh, we actually have a list of questions that you would want to ask all three. Because the best way to compare is to ask the same questions of three different um, advisors. Now that may seem labor intensive, right? Some people don't even want to go see one person versus three. Right. But what I, I, I mean, seriously. So, um, right. but I, no, I would I say, yeah, I would say that's my approach to everything in life is, you know, to, to contact one person, contact the second, the third, even if I'm having a, you know, windows replaced or, um, just to do your own due diligence. Now, I'm a little bit biased, you know, about Wealth Enhancement Group because I'm able to judge, you know, what everyone else is doing. 
But yet, um, I think the clients, and especially when there's they're couples, Bruce and Denny, I feel like maybe one of you think this person is the perfect person, but maybe the other one doesn't. And so um, actually doing that together as a couple is a good idea uh, as well. Bruce? I agree with you, Peg. And, and I am not um, intimidated by the competition. I encourage people, if they interview us, to go interview other uh, uh, people in our space as well. And, you know, I hope they select us, but if they don't, they have to make a decision that feels right to them, that they're comfortable with. And um, I'm not threatened by that. Our batting average is pretty good in terms of, you know, I believe if you interview me and you interview others in our space, you're going to end up coming back to me. But obviously that does not happen 100% of the time. But I also tell people, you know, unfortunately for the consumer, you have to take a leap of faith when you, whoever you select, whether it's wealth enhancement or somebody else, because in the interview process, we, we may all say things that sound good and make you want to maybe engage us in a relationship, but sometimes is it just lip service or does it really happen? And you can't really know that until you've made the decision and made the commitment. So I tell people all the time, look, if you choose me, and we don't do what I said we were going to do, if we don't meet your expect- expectations, then you should fire me and go get somebody else. And I'm, I knock on wood when I say this out loud. I'm proud and happy to report we don't get fired very often once people make the decision. Um, so, but you have to actually jump in to, to actually experience that. So you have to take a little bit of a leap of faith. And the other thing I'll add just really quickly I'm normally somebody, you know, well, again, whether it's choosing a financial advisor or like you said, Peg, like new windows or whatever, I usually like to get multiple people involved and so that they know that there's other people involved. Because let's be honest, if you're replacing windows or in my example, we just engaged a contractor to uh, update our bathrooms. And I chose the first person we interviewed, which I normally wouldn't do. But this person made such a positive impression upon us, seemed to really know what they were doing. I trusted their personality. They didn't oversell us. It was just a very comfortable situation. And both my wife and I, our gut told us, yep, this is the right person. We don't need to do any more due diligence. This is it. So I didn't even follow my own advice there where I usually, you know, will will get multiple opinions before making a decision. And I think that's okay, too. Trust your gut. Trust your instinct. Even if it's a financial advisor, if it's the first interview and they knock you out and you like them and you're confident and you're, you're, you're impressed and you, you feel a level of trust, you don't have to interview more than one. I, it probably makes sense more often than not. But sometimes just trust your gut. That's what I did in choosing our, our bathroom remodeler. Danny? Another text, uh, Peg and Bruce, uh, in Minnesota, uh, texter says, is your spouse automatically the beneficiary for contribution plans, banking statements, and and or pensions? So, Peg, that's a really good question. Um, and there is a difference between retirement plans and um, non-retirement plans in terms of how the beneficiary or payable upon death or transferable upon death how these uh, accounts uh, work, they're not all the same, Peg. Yeah, I, so when it comes to retirement accounts or Roth IRAs or um, just IRAs or 401ks, 
um, I, I, I typically see the spouse is listed. Now, I, it w- I, would, I would say that it would refer, um, and you would have to take some extra steps. Let's say that you didn't list a beneficiary at all then there's going to be some extra steps as, you know, as an investigation per se, that, um, that you are the spouse of this person. So it's so much easier if you list the spouse, um, no matter where you live, Minnesota or otherwise. When it comes to, I would say, non-beneficiary accounts or not as typical as retirement accounts, let's say your bank account or you have a brokerage account or you've bought a treasury, you know, with treasury direct, or you, all these other miscellaneous accounts where you've taken after-tax dollars and invested them. What's nice about today, and, and that's not new today, but, but newer, is that you can put payable on death on an account. Now, what I see is many of our clients either put joint tenancy or they have trust set up or They um, try to divide their assets where if you're going to use individual names, you know, you put individual on some of the money on her side and some of the money on the other side. Uh, But my advice is to every client is to have a beneficiary or a payable on death on every account that isn't joint tenancy. Bruce? Yeah, I'll just add really quickly, I I think, you correct me if I'm wrong, Peg, I think on retirement plans, uh, traditional IRAs or company-sponsored plans, I think the law is is that the spouse automatically assumed to be the primary beneficiary unless they actually disclaim that right. Let's let's say you you agree, you and your spouse, uh, I want to leave this money to my kids if I predecease you. They can sign something to disclaim that right. Otherwise, I think the spouse is automatically the, the beneficiary, but Peg is right. Why not just say that? Why not put that on the document? Why not make it very, very clear and make sure there's no ambiguity? And the other thing really quickly, on, on non-retirement accounts, on, on taxable accounts, people open an account at the bank or they take out a CD or they open a money market and they assume there's a beneficiary and there's not unless you ask for one. It does not happen automatically on those accounts like it does on a retirement plan. So I I encourage everybody listening, check your beneficiaries on everything. The number of times, Peg, that I've had somebody come in and they they don't have beneficiaries on accounts when they thought they did, they have them, but it's not who they want it to be, and they don't discover it until they go, look, go review all your accounts and make sure you've got that the way you want. Denny, I think we got time for at least one more. Yes, indeed. Uh, Here's one. uh, It says, I currently have an IRA a Roth IRA, traditional 401k, and a Roth 401k. If I only want one RAMD, will I need to roll over one into another? If so, by what age? I'm currently 65. Uh, great question. So four different accounts, traditional IRA, traditional uh, 401k, Roth IRA, and Roth 401k. And Peg, I'm hoping that you know the answer because i got to tell you, I sometimes get confused on what the RMD rules are because I don't think it's the same for company-sponsored plans and individual retirement accounts. Can you give me and the, and the texture and listeners clarity on that? Because I, I get it confused sometimes myself. Well, basically, you know, a required minimum distribution today 
is at 73 years old. So um, whether you have that at an IRA or you have it in a work plan, now mind you, if you're still working, then you can still defer your, um, your IRA with your work. But you still have to take distributions uh, from both at 73. When it comes to Roth IRAs, the rules are all different, meaning if, it's, if you own it, you don't have to take a distribution at 73 um, on a Roth IRA. You can just hold that. And actually, if you die, your spouse will actually get that Roth IRA, and um, there's sp- special rules for that too. What I encourage people to do is when they retire to do some consolidating so you don't have four different buckets and wonder what all the rules are on all of those buckets. Bruce? Yeah, and I would only add that on the Roth, you don't have to take a required minimum distribution. But if you pass that way and leave it to the next generation, they do have to take withdrawals. And people often have said to me, well, if it's tax-free, which it is, it's a very good legacy asset to leave to the next generation. If there's no taxes, why am I obligated to take withdrawals? And I think the answer is is that the government just doesn't want these accounts out there generation after generation, you know, in perpetuity, they want you to, you know, they want that money to come out and back into the economy. So Roth ultimately does have, if you inherit a Roth, you do have to take distribution. So, Peg, I don't think we have time to try to squeeze in another question, but we've got about a minute. You want a, a key takeaway for everybody listening today to unpacking retirement plans? Well, I can't stress enough to pay attention to how your money is going to be taxed in the future. So instead of just accepting tax deferral with all your money, uh, make sure that you're making a conscious decision to do that or investigate taxable or tax-advantaged accounts. Bruce? Uh, that's a good uh, note probably to close on. Denny Vaughn, great to be with you again, my friend. And again, wealthenhancement.com. You can always hear old shows. You can get answers to questions. You can get all kinds of information. No cost, no obligation. Danny, thank you so much, my friend. Absolutely. Good to hear uh, both uh, Peg and Bruce. And then, of course, Peg and Bruce both will be back next uh, Sunday morning. We hope you join us then. Now, in the meantime, if you have a financial question, uh, maybe midweek, you can always call this toll-free number 24-7. And that number is 888-6-ADVICE. Again, 888-6-ADVICE anytime, day or night. Or if you prefer to email those questions, just send those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. Again, email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. Do join us again next week with more of your money.